Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Welcome to the Tricord Advisors Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Lee, and this is Randy Barkley. We're both certified financial planners, and I'm also a California licensed attorney. This is the show where we answer your questions, and we help uh, give people wisdom and thoughts of how to build the life they love. Today, we're talking about what happens when the emergency happens. We talk so much about um, building a life and building forward and investments and trying to do all these right steps. But but sometimes there's a disaster. Sometimes there's an emergency. The things you don't plan for, right? Yeah. I mean, it just happens. And what do you what do you need to have in place? Like, what can you plan for, right? You, you know, someone getting sick, someone getting injured, losing a job. You can't plan for that event, you know, in the sense that that's going to happen. It's, a, it's a, an emergency. It's a disaster. But what can you put in place in your life that avoids some of those massive consequences? I mean, some of the items that, that folks deal with is when they get big medical bills, it can derail an entire plan. Yeah, I mean, we see that uh, more often than I'd like. Of course, uh, there's been a long struggle now for the last couple of decades over universal health care and health care benefits and portability and all these things. But at the end of the day, you're responsible to make sure where your health insurance costs are going to come from, Yeah, where your deductible plans and all those things, right? Yeah. Similar to also if someone loses a job. For some folks, it's a moment of reflection. Oh. It's a moment of shift. For others, it's an immediate emergency. There was a statistic that's years ago, so I don't know if it's still accurate. I'm sure they need to update this. But it was something along the lines that 60, 70% of Americans couldn't deal with a $1,000 emergency. There's a $1,000 emergency that came up they, they couldn't just reach into savings and pay for it and be done. They would yeah. have to swipe a credit card, which is going to come back the next month. They have to work overtime. And so that um, you just the savings rate was, was a big deal. So what we're talking about today is, is a number of ideas of what can you put in place now? What can just be part of your life that helps kind of um, disaster proof um, mm-hmm. your life for normal, expectable, potentially emergency. So the first one is is probably not a surprise, but it's build an emergency fund. So what does that mean? I mean, if, I, if I'm if i just starting out in life, let's say I'm 25 years of age, I'm yep. married, I've got a child, and my wife and I are working, and our expenses are pretty much eating up all of our income right now. Yep. I mean, if you're renting right now, the cost of rent is just extraordinary. How do I build an emergency fund? I mean, how do I do that? Yeah, it's it's tough. And, and how much, right? right? And, and the significant point is if you're if you're making ends meet, right? You're you're trying to take your your say two working adults, you're trying to cover all your expenses, you're getting month to month. And you know, people will do that and they'll get three or four months. Hey, we're making it. We're barely making it, but we're making it. And I think a lot of our country candidly lives that way, especially in California, where rents oh, are sure. significant, the cost of living are significant. And so people in that boat. What, what they're not realizing is is how close they are to the edge that if something happens, you know, there's a minor accident in a car, they break a leg, they um, get sick and can't go to work for a week or two. And, and say, we'll just say it's a thousand dollars. Say it's a thousand dollar expense that's not in the budget and and they can't afford it mm-hmm. and they don't have any emergency funds. Well, their options become, you know, look to family, try and get some debt somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. a credit card, a personal loan, something. Too easy to get. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's another issue of, of, of is too easy to get. 
but they'll, they'll just use the credit card. They swipe a credit card, they deal with the emergency. Well, the next month, that thousand dollars shows up on the bill. And if they can't quite pay all of it, they get interest. Right. And if they can't pay that, they get it. And that's a, it, it starts a slope. And so many households have been ruined, not because it was a $50,000 issue. It was simply a thousand dollars initially. Yeah, I mean, going back to your uh, your other comment that most households couldn't afford a thousand dollar emergency. I mean, it would cause them to go borrow money or beg from their family or whatever. But it it's 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 so common that people live to the dollar, live paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. and if that paycheck is disrupted just a little bit. Yep. Um, it, it terrorizes their life, and, yep. and then they're then they're playing catch up. They're having, you know, have to make more money, or they have to borrow more money, and it's just this this snowball effect that starts to take place. And having an emergency fund, having money set aside, allows you to overcome those small emergencies and be able to go on with yep. your life without having a complete change, right? Yeah, and keep them as small emergencies. Um, so, you know, having a thousand dollars even is a great set aside. We we like to have folks have three months mm-hmm. it is a good, you know, look at your normal spending, say you're spending 5,000 a month or 6,000 a month to have three months of that you right. know, and set aside. And that, and that seems like a huge hurdle for most people to have, yes, yeah. let's say $15,000 or $10,000 set aside an emergency fund. But there's a way to get there. And, and that's what most people kind of need some encouragement and help. Right. Uh, but there is a way to get there, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's part of the, the the budgeting process. I always tell people budgets aren't much fun, but budgets really help fine tune your engine, right? Fine tune you know what you can produce as a household, and then decide where those additional funds need to go. And you know, filling up an emergency fund, starting to save for a house, starting to save for other things, and and part of an emergency fund is it's the first step towards any other fund. Say you know someone wants to buy a house someday, we'll start your emergency fund. Once that gets the right amount, just keep going, you know, right. keep that savings and start saving for a house. And then the moment when you buy the house, you have to decide how much you need to set aside to maintain your emergency fund. But it's 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 the same pool of money. It's the same setting aside and moving forward to live kind of below your means. But each one has a little different purpose. Yes. Right. Yeah. It has a different purpose. And once you hit the first one, you know, getting a thousand dollars set aside, um, you know, then you can move on to the second one. And once mm-hmm. you get the second one, you can move on to the third and and, and for folks who are no longer, you know, making ends meet, but really building their life, right? We're no longer thinking about the emergency fund. We're not talking about the, you know, college fund. Those are already set aside. We're talking now about, okay, what's if you get an opportunity to buy into a business, or if you get an opportunity to buy some really great real estate, do you have those resources readily available? And those are the conversations we tend to have more of. How are we prepared for, you know, growing your life? But it all starts back at day one of of protecting yourself from an emergency. So there's a lot of things that you should not do. And one of the things that you should be very careful of is credit cards. Yeah. High interest debt is is crippling. It it will, like I said, it's a snowball effect. But a lot of people, when I sit down and talk with them, I'm astonished at what kind of balances that they hold, you know, yeah. whether it be a couple thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars, whatever it is. And they say, Well, our, our credit card balance is X. I went, and the first thing I do is calculate the interest mm. that they're paying. On that money, had they just uh, did better planning, they wouldn't be. I mean, it's it, it amounts to thousands of dollars yeah. over a short period of time. Yeah, no, that's right. And, so, and there's a big difference between carrying a balance and using a credit card to facilitate your transactions and paying it off every month. Right. There's a, a lot of folks that we work with that use credit cards and they pay them off every month, and that's just how they cycle their their um, their spending. And part of it is you know. Fraud protection. Most credit card companies do really good with fraud protection now through their algorithms. 
Um, also the ease of tracking. Right. There's a lot of software that will uh, work with your credit card company to track and even auto categorize what you're right. spending. Right. So a lot of folks will run their spending through a credit card. And that's 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 great. It, but the difference is when people carry a balance that they know every month I'm rolling over. 20,000. So they look at their minimum payment, say, you know, the credit card company is very nice about sending you a notice (laughs) saying, if you pay X amount of dollars, this is the minimum amount that we'll accept. And that is the worst trap that you can fall into because you should pay off your balance every single month. There should not be zero. In fact, what my wife and I do, we started this decades ago when we started using credit cards for basic expenses. Um, we created a first and a 15th pay because when we didn't have credit cards, we would pay all of our bills and we have it twice a month, first Mm. and the 15th. So we pay off our credit cards on the first and the 15th of every single month, never carrying a balance forward into the following month. It's just, it's just a habit we've created, you know, almost 40 years ago and we haven't repeated it. We haven't stepped in. I mean, I'm just appalled at how much interest these these companies yeah. charge. Right. And how quickly it, it, it compounds. Right. And so say you had a tighter month, so you say, oh, I'll just roll it till next month. Well, that next month, you, you have not only what you spent in the two months, <laughs> but, the, but whatever the interest is. And over time, that that's a big deal. And with that, also, you know, avoiding high interest rate, but also too much debt in general. Um, this is, again, a hard one in California, um, other places as well, but also California. When folks are trying to get into a home, um, and often I, I see folks will get themselves kind of right up to the edge because mm-hmm. sometimes there's no other way to do it. They, right. you know, they have car debt, they have house debt, they have personal credit debt. And in essence, they've, they've committed themselves to a certain amount of income every single month without fail that doesn't go towards food and living. It goes to their debt servicing. Right. And you know, if, if you live a life that's well below that, then when emergencies come, you say, okay, we got to stop our spending, we got to slow mm-hmm. things down, and you're able to. But if your debt is, whether it's high interest or just a large, large mortgage, there's not much flexibility. And in the week to week, it's not a big deal, but, but imagine you're working and uh, you're there's a layoff. You, know, you get laid off from your job. A lot of folks, it's going to take you three months or so to not just right. find another job to put food on the table, but a next career to say, I want to transition right. into right. something as a future for me. And if, if that three-month gap um, if there's no funds, one to fund it, but two, if you have this debt that that's requiring every month you to start paying large amounts. So, so with that, there's high interest debt and there's just, you know, too much debt and how much is too much. That, that's a good question. Well, again, for house, if you're going to do a mortgage, uh, what they want to look at is your total debt must not exceed a certain percentage of your adjusted gross income. And typically that's around 30, 33%, somewhere in that neighborhood. They like to see it below 30%. Yep. That includes your mortgage and all the expenses of your house on a monthly basis and your credit card debts on top of that. Yep. If you exceed that, you typically are going to pay higher interest, which is, again, another issue people get themselves trapped into and or they're just disqualified. They can't they yeah. can't get the loan. And I think it's it's. This was back in 2008. People were relying on the banks as the parent in the room. Right. They say, can I afford this? The bank said I can afford it. So let's go. <laughs> yeah. And and, and that, that's a good caveat for people to say, just because the bank you know authorizes it, just because they approve it, doesn't necessarily mean that you, one, maybe you can't afford it on a good day, but is it the wisest thing on a, you know, what happens if I lose my job? And for folks that we talk to, if you have a robust emergency fund, if you saved money, you know, did some hard work in your budgeting and, and saved some good money, well, that allows you the freedom to live a little more aggressively, perhaps, to say, mm-hmm. if, if I did get laid off, I know I've got three or four months of all my debt payments, everything set aside. So I have a free, quote unquote, you know, three months to find my next job to you know deal with whatever the emergency is. 
So that's part of that emergency fund that it allows you to not um, have your entire life upset by a right. small emergency, but rather be able to handle it and keep your long-term debt and your long-term structure and your long-term financial goals uh, on track, you know, yeah. despite things. Stay tuned. What we're going to do is continue our conversation about how you balance out your cash flow in your household. We're going to give you some hints on how to make better choices about your cash flow. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. Um, Jeremiah and I are talking about things that most people try to avoid, and that is budget management, cash flow management within your household. And I think, Jeremiah, I like to talk about some stories. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that we've got we've got examples of in our personal life, and you've got some examples regarding like toys. For you've got young children. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so two stories. I'm kind of like I mean, budgeting is in the larger context. Budgeting is no fun, but budgeting we talked about in the first episode. It, it tunes up your uh, finances, the engine of your life, but also allows you to identify those spots where you can do better, like you can do more, like you right. can, you have money. So one was uh, kind of, I guess, an even ego item. Uh, we were at a, a, a kind of a Goodwill secondhand store making a donation, but we went in and we're kind of looking at things and we ended up buying uh, a plane for our, our son. And uh, it was a by the way, the by the son's four years old. Yeah, by he's the four. Way. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> a, a little toy plane. And it was it was one dollar, and so right. you know, it was not an expensive plane, but it was delighted for him. You know, it, was, it was the fun wasn't that you know the batteries were dead or that you know it might have done something back in the past, but it had a plane, the little fold out wings, and he and I spent the rest of the day flying things around the house, you know, pretending to make shooting noises at each other um, as we played, and it was it was a delight to him, and it, and it just made me realize. You know, there's there's so much of, I don't know if it's my ego or someone else's ego in buying kids toys of how much we think, right. oh, we need to spend, you know, $25 on a toy for a birthday or something when, you know, you can buy something much cheaper. The other item that, that was there that I think is just a good item is uh, Nerf guns. Those Nerf guns that shoot the little bullets, they're, oh, they're yeah. hard plastic. You know, once kids get a little older, they don't use them anymore. People tend to donate them. Well, this, you know, savers is the story, but you go down there, they have a wall full of Nerf guns that, that you know, <laughs> talk about a, a toy that's easy to wipe off and make sure it's clean and, and they still work. And, you know, and so it just made me laugh. It's like, we should go down there and get an arsenal. So know? the, so the Nerf gun was probably what, $25, $30 retail. Probably. And you had a whole wall of them down there for how much? Yeah. A couple of bucks a piece. Oh you know, my goodness. You just pick them all up. And so the, you know, what, what does a kid need? So I think there's, there's budgeting, things like that. The other one that is meaningful, I think to me of, of budgeting and the reason I, I think budgets are so valuable is I was working years ago at a law firm and right next door was a farmer boys restaurant. And I would go there for lunch, not when I was taking somebody out or it was a lunch I really enjoyed. It was convenient. Just when I forgot to pack a lunch. And we got to the end of a year, one of the years, we're going through a budget and we're going through fast food and I'm you know, looking at things. And it ended up being about $3,000 I had spent at farm boys. 
and my jaw just dropped. I said, that that can't yeah, be right. right. So I go back and look <laughs> at it and it's like, well, maybe the family, we all went out to like a, you know, a lunch or something. It was your nope. only lunch. It was just me on the days I forgot to pack a lunch or you know, didn't otherwise have lunch plans. It was usually like 1 or 2 p.m. when I was just hungry, you know, and then had forgotten to eat. And so I go down there and, and get a lunch. And it just realized if I if I just stopped doing that, if I just remember to pack a lunch, um, I would get $3,000 back. I would get a raise. At you get a $3,000 raise. That's what it would feel like. Um, and that's after taxes. So that's probably $5,000. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was it just uh, it identified for me a place where I, I didn't get joy from that money. It wasn't spent on purpose. It wasn't you know, building towards a future plan. In fact, it probably wasn't healthy for me, you know, but well, I, it was something I could eliminate and then use that money and say, okay, well, this is going to build towards, you know, other goals I have in my right. life. I mean, again, I think it's, it's discipline, but at the same point in time, it's not, it's not, it's not like you're building an exercise program. That's going to take you two hours every day to go. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about packing a lunch that take, takes you maybe less, less than five minutes to yeah. kind of put together. And often my lunches are leftovers from the night before. I right. think a lot of people do that. And that's a, a real easy way. So kind of in, in the midst of, you know, talking about budgeting, um, we're talking about, you know, financial disasters. What are the things, emergencies that hit you that lead you into a financial disaster and derail kind of where you're headed? Right. And, and one of them we, we talked about a few, but what, what we're talking about right now is, is the budget process of, of when you know where your money's going, if you have an emergency, you can trim appropriately. And with that, with the budget is also living kind of within your means, you know, to say if, if something were to happen, you know, a thousand dollar expense or um, something that, that could be catastrophic, if you're living within a, a fairly tight budget, that's lower than what you're making. You know, there's, there's some, there's many households who could just spend a thousand dollars in that month. And it's okay. It's with within they have enough excess in there. I Not remember, everyone does. That. I remember the story listening to John Templeton, and John Templeton has now passed away. But he was a man who started Templeton Funds, an extremely brilliant individual, but very frugal. Grew up during the Depression era, and when he and his wife got married, they made a game out of it to see how cheap they could buy furniture. They were brand new married. And they didn't have any money. It was the depression. Everybody was really, really frugal. They had to be frugal, but they would go to estate sales. They would go to tax sales and they would look for pieces of furniture. They even got their friends involved mm. and they would, the competition was how cheap could you buy something that was usable in their household? Mm. And he said, we were buying things for 10 cents. Mm. And he said, a lot of that furniture we kept for over 20 years. It was good furniture, nothing wrong with it. And he said, and then of course, when he passed away, I mean, many years later, he's one of the most renowned investment individuals historically. I mean, he he sold his company for something close to a billion dollars, mm -hmm. and this was several years ago. I mean, this was this was talked decades ago. So again, it it's the wealth that people perceive they have, or the pride they build into mm -hmm. the purchase. You don't need to have that. And oftentimes it works against you, particularly if you're still trying to build your financial yeah, life, right? Get, get on the other side of ego. There's a, a good comment um, in a book we read recently that was saying that um, getting your savings goals are just on the other side of your ego. Oh my gosh, Like yes. if you just get past, I need a new furniture or my wife needs a new this or my my kids need a new that and just get past that a bit and you know pick something up that's you know 10 cents at a used sale and, and then hit your savings goal. Man, I mean, right. you're, you're choosing what right. you value more. So, well, the other piece we probably don't have time for a whole lot more, but uh, the next one I kind of move, want to move to is insurance. Yeah, and this is one of those great safety nets that uh, most most people have. Not everyone does, and there's a number of different types of insurance. So, the first one is generally health insurance, mm -hmm. and in our country, you know, with with especially in California, they've color covered California. They've now passed rules about having to maintain insurance. Most employers offer insurance. 
you know, there's a number of folks who go without a health insurance. Yeah, but, I mean, but it, they acknowledge they're living in a, a risky they position. They are. They are. Because if something, you know, the small things, it's not that big of a deal. But if something larger happens, medical bills can be catastrophic. So having reasonable health insurance that protects someone is a good first step. Yeah. And I mean, again, you say, going back to that, if there's a deductible amount, you should have for emergency funds, you know, something that would cover your deductible in the event something happens. So it depends on whether you have a PPO or an HMO, your deductible will vary from plan to plan. But the other one is other types of insurance. You know, life insurance is yeah. a, for people it's that a particularly one. if they've got debt, you've got both earners and you need both incomes or a single income in order to survive in that household. You better you better be considering some kind of life insurance. Yeah, yeah. A two, especially you know, places where there's a two income household. Right. And if one house one income were to stop, the family could no longer live in that home. And uh, you think about it, you know, someone has a mortgage and you know they they have a house, they're building their life in a good way, and the unexpected and tragic happens. You know, it, it's tragic for that person. It's tragic for the family. But also now to say we're going to have to sell the house, we're going to mm-hmm. have to give up on these other dreams. Man, that's a really tough moment. Whereas most folks, when they'll pick up, you know, a term life insurance, even something that's you know inexpensive, especially when they're young, they'll pick up some insurance so that in the event something tragic happens, the the survivors of that continue on the same path. They say, right. "Wow, we took this money, we paid off the mortgage, and now we're living off of one salary." But that's okay. We stay in the same house, and our our, our expenses have gone down because. We will use this insurance money. Um, the, the other ones we have life insurance. We just talk about health insurance, disability insurance, or even someone's business interruption insurance. Yeah, those are the um, you know no one's died. It's just you had a moment. Yeah, a replacement moment. of income. Yeah, you had a moment where your income has fallen off. We do because you can't work or your business can't operate. Um, you know, I don't see this as as um, common. You know, but but super valuable. And I think that a lot of uh, benefits, uh, employer benefits that provide to their employees, they'll have built in some kind of disability. Yeah. And you actually, out of your payroll, uh, you have the state disability is taken out of that. So you have some measure of disability if you're on W-2 income. But uh, companies will offer additional benefits, and it's very inexpensive. Typically, there's no underwriting requirements for it, and it just replaces your income for a certain period of time. You know, typically... Uh, half a year to maybe a few years. Yep. But it's pretty important to have that in case something happens, right? Yep. The other item is people are building their life is umbrella insurance. And this is one that um, I always tell people it's the most bang for your buck. But basically you have you know homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance and auto insurance, and they have certain limits. You know, maybe your auto is 250,000. Well, on top of that, as an umbrella goes these umbrella policies and they don't kick in until after your auto or home is 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 fully paid out and the, ben- the benefits fully- are exhausted yeah. or the insurance is exhausted. Yeah. But it's this th- piece on top that says, okay, if, if you have, you know, you're driving, you have a, a million dollar liability, this will kick in and cover that. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's very low premiums um, because it's, it's secondary insurance, but it's a great safety net for folks. Yeah. And I think that um, another one we want to talk about is um, the kind of insurance that, that you can buy Again, you want to evaluate all your insurance costs. And the biggest one is deductible, as I see it. I, mm. And that's where I find people have standard deductibles, like a $100 deductible for collision, $50 or zero deductible for comprehensive. Raise those deductibles up. Talk to your insurance agent and see what kind of discounts that you can mm. apply within your insurance. And that's just monitoring the benefits. But the chances of you having an accident every five years is pretty, pretty small. Yeah. So raise those deductibles up so that you can get a better, a lower premium cost, right? Yep, that's good. 
But we've been talking about th- things that will help avoid the disasters when the emergency hits. So if you missed any part of this episode, you can catch us on YouTube or you can find us on our website, which is tricodeadvisors.com. Till next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.